I realized right away that like, if you give a talk about Jesus, then only five people show up. But if you give a talk about the devil, then like 500 people show up. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I am Mike Gormley, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host. I'm so excited about this one. <laughs> Dave, open book but closed heart Van Vickle. How you doing today, Dave? <laughs> That's ridiculous. So It's like a Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my life is like in Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> So how you doing, man? What are you up to? What are you up to? I'm good. I'm ready to talk evangelization. You know, I'm uh, I'm starting to get. I'm getting ready to book my talk that I I book all of fall pretty much. <laughs> you mean every month surrounding Halloween? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and I'm and I'm excited because um, like you know, I mean, you know, I've hyped, I've harped on this talk for a long time. So I started to give this talk. It's called the Catholic Truth about Angels, <laughs> Demons, Ghosts, Exorcisms, and Hauntings, and. I realized right away that like if you give a talk about Jesus, then only five people show up. But if you give a talk about the devil, then like five hundred people show up. Ooh. And what does um, that say about Catholicism? I know, I know, it's so sad. But the cool thing about this is like people walk away, and priests will literally say, um, "We had more people at daily mass this week. We had more people at confession this week. We had more people, you know, asking for blessings and things like that." Not because they're scared either, because I like. The talk, for some reason, it just proclaims like the holiness of the church and people get excited about it. So mm-hmm. I'm, I I love giving it. And like I didn't at first I was nervous because I didn't want to be like that guy who talks about like demons all the time, you know, but it's so evangelical. Like you just can't believe the people who show up to this talk Like people who have not been in a church in 20 years, you know? Yeah. So this is the this is the great thing about you, Dave, is that you have more than any other Catholic speaker I know years of experience accompanying priests doing exorcism yeah right so I, right. okay so that is i mean it's a gift there's no i'm i'm blessed to have that in my life yeah i think any other normal catholic would not use the word blessed to have exorcisms in their <laughs> life you would use that and you don't even you're not ironic at all no no I'm, I'm i'm so blessed i feel like very much like um that in a certain sense my faith like I, it's just it a lot of it was built on the fact that i saw things you know, the, the power of the church and the power of the priesthood in a way that was so palpable that other people do not get to witness. So I am, yeah. very, I feel very blessed in that way. It, it's amazing. And if you think this is like a fear them, scare them up, I actually had Dave give a version of this talk over three nights at my parish yeah. as a parish mission fun, for yeah. Advent. And people were like, why are you having this? And I said, because I need you to understand that when Christ entered the world, it's not about a cute Hallmark Christmas right, card. Right. It is about a revolution of God's love overthrowing the dominion of darkness. There could not be anything more evangelical at a certain point. But I just want to point out a, a couple things for people who might be hesitant if they've never heard this talk um, about maybe bringing you out or whatever. Um, this talk, because it's you and your primary role is evangelization, right? you kind of leverage all of this stuff to evangelize yeah, people. Yeah. And you have this great saying, and, and I want you to kind of repeat it for our folks. You say the ordinary way to fight the devil is not exorcism. That's the extraordinary, right. very rare way. What's the ordinary way to fight the devil? Evangelization. I and I, and I I I will stress this over and over again that I do not when I'm called to assist at an exorcism, which is very rare now, very rare. I don't do it as much as I used to, but when I'm called, 
it is nothing compared like when I'm and I feel like, yeah, okay, I'm going to assist some soul in being liberated from evil. That's great. It's wonderful and it's amazing, but it's nothing compared to the stress, the destruction we put on the kingdom of evil when we engage in evangelization. It's just you just cannot compare the two because um you know, it, better evangelists make less make for less exorcisms. That's the truth, right? Because Ooh, uh, I like when that. we I proclaim like that a lot. Yeah, when we proclaim the kingdom of God, it's aggressive. You know, it's aggressive, and it necessarily dethrones Satan when we enthrone Christ. So I I, I love giving this talk now, and I I I used to do it like yeah, I kind of speak on that, and now I just like unabashedly say yeah, that's basically the one talk I give now. Pretty much, I, I very rarely speak on other things. And you're right. I do book. I'll book about 24 nights on either side of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm booking right now for fall. So please let me know if you're a DRE or a pastor listening. I'd love to come out to your parish and do it. It's almost completely free for your parish to book me, uh, even if you're out of town. So um, the it just it's just uh, something I'm really passionate about. And your parishioners will learn about holiness and grace and in persona Christi and baptism and all kinds of things you'd never dream they would they would learn about in this talk and they'll learn it in a way that they'll never forget. Yeah, and here's uh, a funny thing that happened to me just yesterday. Okay, uh, I was my kids were watching, not me. My kids were watching uh, Paw Patrol. Okay, and there's a Halloween episode with a spooky ghost. That's funny. And uh, the line that they keep repeating is. There's no such thing as ghosts. Right. Everyone knows right. that. And I was like, oh, you got to talk to my friend Dave Van Bickle. He'll give you the Catholic truth about right. that. Literally yesterday, my son Thomas watching that. Yeah. So uh, I made him turn it off, and we did a Bible study on Satan. I'm just kidding. That, is, <laughs> that, that would be so awesome if you did that. Oh. I have to tell, my, kid, I have to tell my, my 10-year-old son all the time, like, hey, Sam, you know, like, you can't really tell people this kind of, you know, like your friends and stuff like that. You know, like this isn't something that's socially acceptable at school to talk about. You know? <laughs> but one day, son, one day it will be. <laughs> With so our what's help. the name of your talk again? The Catholic Truth About What? About angels, demons, ghosts, exorcisms, and hauntings. And we provide all the marketing materials. We do most of the marketing as well to other parishes around you. And uh, you can just email us or you can go to the website, thesinnersguide.com. And uh, Aaron, who works for me, she's awesome, a rock star, books those talks constantly. And again, it's almost free. So give give me a, a shout and we can work something out for you. Better evangelists make for less demonic activity. Absolutely. I that, love that. As a necessarily. That's why you, you, Gomer, are so powerful for the kingdom of light. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of the devil, we got a wonderful email from Patrick. <laughs> Yeah, right. Patrick, yeah, this is this is a great email and it's like any church worker has been in this position, I think. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah, if you love our faith, you've been in this position. Yeah, right. So so this is interesting. So he says uh he's a youth minister and he and his pastor or his priest have, have both been listening to the podcast and they they said it it's really helped them the way they do ministry, okay? But he had a question when when he heard the episode about leadership. He wanted to know how, you know, certain things about how to lead when you're not necessarily in charge. And he specifically brings up CCD staff, right? And he says, look, I don't want to come in guns a blazing, which I, I recommend is, is a good a good attitude to have. Yeah. But he also wants to influence the way that they're doing ministry, the way that they carry out their apostolate of, of forming children in the faith, okay? And so he's wondering, what is... 
what is the approach here? And he says the leadership team at the parish is very receptive to parish change and a culture of evangelization. But how do we navigate this when we're not necessarily in charge? How do we start to create change at a parish? Um, And especially he highlighted the CCD staff, which stands for the Confraternity of Christian Doctrine. Um, I was raised on a CCD model, and uh, our staff was great because my mommy was the director. Um, But stepping out from that, oftentimes you find that after the priest hires a receptionist or secretary in a small parish, the next person he hires or position that he hires for is the person who's the director of religious education, and that revolves around the children. Now, I firmly believe the first person you should hire is an adult faith formation director because the kids can have the faith be communicated by their parents, but if they don't have their parents believing, you're just a stopgap, right? You're just just trying to plug one uh, leak after another. So oftentimes the CCD staff can be the most entrenched in a church, and uh, they are operating on models of we got this curriculum X amount of years ago, and we're using it, it's settled, you know, we'll just buy the new books and go through it. And a dynamism, because their task is catechesis. And they think that initial proclamation should happen at home or in the homily or somewhere else. And so part of our goal is realizing and flipping the script, if you will, on parish movement. Sherry Waddell, in her wonderful book, Forming Intentional um, Disciples, talks about how Catholic churches have a infant paradigm of evangelization. Right. We focus on the kids to evangelize them and catechize them, and we don't have an adult paradigm. So a lot of people are expecting other things to be happening, you know, another party to take care of it. But if everyone else is, is the, the, their major task is evangelization, then evangelization will never get done if it's always someone else's business. Right. So how do we reform the touch points where people have in our parish? And we talked about this a little bit in an um, episode that we recorded called Bringing the New Evangelization to Your Parish on March 27th. Um, but we want to specifically explain how do you get a group of staff into this task of evangelization? Yeah, and I, 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 I've navigated this on several occasions, even personally, but also like, you know, with people who I'm, I'm, I'm kind of helping and coaching through it. I, I think it can be very, very difficult and it can be very, you know, you have to realize that maybe maybe they're not doing it in the best way possible but you know these are good people they're trying to spread the faith and and i think a lot of it comes down to the fact of you know do we know exactly what their formation is and all this kind of stuff so you got it. it's very nuanced in every situation but we'll give you some tips you know to walk through this i would say the very first thing i w- i usually try to do is i try my very very best to be close friends with those people, right? I'm learning their names. I'm learning about their families because I want to start to build up that relationship of trust. And it's not in a manipulative way at all. This is what you do. I mean, this is our job as church workers to build that community. And I think that that is going to go a long way when you start to say, hey, you know, we've been friends for a while here. I I want you to start stretching a little bit. And when you can get to that point, um, then, then we can really start to get some movement here as far as, you know, moving towards a more evangelical approach. Okay. Um, the other thing I would say is I try to win the front of, you know, what the truth is, uh, at every parish, because I think one of the things, the mistakes we make is we assume that everyone is on the same page because they volunteer. So if someone volunteers or, or, or sorry, not just volunteers because they took the job, um, 
we cannot assume that everyone is on the same page as far as what they believe and where they're at in their life of discipleship, okay? And so I start to, at every parish I work at, uh, I start to give talks on what the life of a catechist should look like, what the life of a parish worker should look like. Uh, I start to give talks about using the scriptures and the new catechism as the primary text for catechesis because, uh, again, like Omer mentioned, you know, some of these... Uh, some of these resources are just not up to snuff. They really aren't. In fact, I'd say most of them are not that great. I give talks about uh, how to communicate a personal relationship with Jesus Christ within the context of the Catholic Church. And then finally, I, I also offer a talk that, um, uh, you know, it, it's going to sound weird, but I basically give the history of the Catholic Church in America since Vatican II. And the reason I do that is because that is the talk that kind of gets us all on the same page. So, um, you know, I, I, I love Vatican II. I'm kind of obsessed with the Vatican II fathers and everything, but there are certainly things that happened in America since that time in the church that are not that great, right? Especially with Catholic education and catechesis. And so that talk kind of explains where I'm coming from and tries to win them over to my side so that we have a paradigm from which to look at everything uh, so that change is possible. Oh, yeah, that's so important. So what I would say also, Patrick, is um, there's a very important thing that we can do is to pray for them and with them. Pray for them and with them. So he's talking about be close friends, win the front lines. Um, praying with them uh, can be a very powerful thing, and it doesn't have to be you awkwardly coming up to them as if you are the guru descending from the mountain. Lord knows uh, people like from our alma mater of Franciscan, we get that charge all the time, like, who do you think you are, right? And we certainly can give off that attitude. You don't want to do that. You want to come to them, and you can do things like create a noon prayer thing once a week. Listeners. Oh, great, great idea. Yeah, he has a wonderful thing in his favor, which is his priest also listens to the show, and they are in lockstep when it comes to this idea of evangelization. So he has the number one ally, right? That's wonderful. Parish leadership, very receptive. So the idea is you need to be intentional about bringing these people on board. So I would say look for opportunities to pray with them, but you have a thousand opportunities to pray for them. That is every time you get in a car to drive to church, especially if you have a meeting with someone in that staff to be praying for their conversion right? Or at the very least for their openness to your ideas. Maybe they already are converted, right? Some people have a very private or a very quiet spirituality. And some people who are like youth ministers, oh, I don't know, and adult faith formation people, some of us are really right. loud and obnoxious. And so just because they have a different approach and spirituality doesn't mean that they don't have a rock solid faith. So just pray for opportunities for that openness. Yeah. Um, another thing following up is, uh, so Dave talked about uh, laying down a framework from which you want to operate as a parish staff, yeah. um, talking about post Vatican II spirituality and catechesis and all that stuff. That is awesome. I would also say that you need to get with your priests and prioritize an annual staff retreat. Oh yeah. So, so at my church, before the year gets busy in the first weeks of August, probably the first week of August, we do a staff retreat and I've led it every single year <laughs> that we've done it. And I've only done it one way. I do a fun welcoming. And then I preach the kerygma using a different approach each time. And then I invite them to say yes to Christ. And I give them time to pray alone. And then we come back and do community stuff towards the end. It usually is about a four to five hour thing, depending on if we throw in lunch with it. And, um, and the whole idea is to get the whole staff 
to that I know for a hundred percent that they have actually heard the gospel proclaimed right. from the heart of Catholicism, right? That we're not introducing weird stuff, foreign stuff. You know, we're not borrowing a little from this and a little from that. We're just proclaiming the simple, basic gospel message and inviting them to respond with faith. Here's the wonderful thing. If they already have faith, it just renews it. Yeah. So organize an annual staff retreat. If you want to invite an outside speaker to help lead that, I know a couple guys, wink, <laughs> but that is, you want to make that one entirely charismatic. I do. We also do one for our catechists where we do basically the same thing. At the end of the year, uh, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in our take fives, but we, um, I just wrapped up literally on Saturday morning our Ministry Leaders Summit. It's where we invite staff and ministry, key ministry leaders to come together, to pray with each other, and to talk about the faith. And this year, the focus was on the kerygma. Like, how do we break it down and how do you implement it in your life? And right now, Dave, totally stealing from you, I now have a hundred people who are preparing their testimony. Nice. That's right? awesome. I'm gonna steal that idea, the 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 summit. It's awesome. It's like, such a good idea. Yeah. What what did you call it again? The Ministry Leaders Summit, MLS. Oh, that is awesome. I'm I'm definitely gonna steal that idea. You know, the the great thing about doing it in the group format, and this is just like one of those like pro tips or like life hacks, is that you can break down misunderstandings without going head to head with someone, right? You don't have to say you're wrong about this and this is why you're wrong. You can just teach what you know and hopefully people come to the understanding. You know, it's not so it's not so uh what do you call it? Um in your face, I guess, you know. Um and and so yeah, I, I found that people who might not have agreed with me on certain topics, when I've explained how to teach those topics, they come around to my understanding without me saying, Here's why you're wrong. Oh yeah. The the preacher man, <laughs> one of my favorite Baptist preachers, he has this thing that he calls um, uh, the false boldness of the pulpit. And it's his kind of like negative view of what you just said. But I think what you just said is key. Okay. The negative view is you you will never confront someone where you need to, but you'll go up on a pulpit and preach in general terms against what they're doing. Right. But there is a thing where you're trying to set the tone. Right. 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 And so now they have clear expectations from you. And you have a clear conversation point from which you can engage them. And that's the glorious thing. And no one feels like, oh, look, they're targeting me right. or the CCD department. They think they're perfect right. or whatever. No, this is just who we are and what we're doing going forward. That's a really right. great point. I think, I think like, I don't know if you know this. I, I know a lot of our listeners out there are Franciscan grads. And this is difficult with the with Franciscan is that they assume that you you think you're like, the only person who knows what Catholicism is or something like that, you know? And that's why I, 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 that's exactly why I do that talk about the history of the church in America since Vatican II, so that they understand there's a reason behind this. It's not just that I'm some weird, you know, like uh, orthodoxy obsessed. Well, I am, but, but that's not the only reason, right? Yeah. So, so that they can see that there's a reasoned principled background for all this. Um, because, it, just like you said in your email, I mean, you're already doing the right thing because you're saying, I'm, I don't want to go in guns blazing. And that, you can't do that because we have to respect people, right? This is, and, and these people made the decision to work for the church for a reason. What happens, in my opinion, is that when you proclaim the truth and you start to show people what, you know, kind of show your cards, reveal your hand to them, they start to get off the bus if they know that they don't fit there. Right, exactly. 
the other thing I would say is, okay, so let's say you and your pastor have laid out a clear vision. So this would be my guess a year from now. Yeah. And my, uh, we're recording this in May. Most, my birthday's on Saturday. Okay. Uh, <laughs> most, <laughs> nice. most RCIA, most, um, faith formation and CCD programs are wrapping up if they haven't already. And so what I would do is say, all right, looking forward, we're going to invest in this message. We're going to clarify it. We're going to give handouts. We're going to train people and give clear expectations of what we want. And you're going to walk through it with people for a year. At the end of that year, if nothing's budging, if your priest is meeting with the CCD department or staff or individual, and they're still looking at everything from this old lens, and they have been obstinate right. <laughs> in choosing to craft something, right? So this isn't just someone who is having difficulty. This is someone who is rejecting and refusing. Then what we need to do is craft a one-on-one -on -one confrontation, oh. right? Because you need to find out what's going on with them. If you're already doing what he said in number one, the first advice is be close friends with those people. You probably can detect these things. Right. Right. So you're not coming in as some jerk from the outside dictating to them how to live their life, but you're coming alongside them as a friend saying what's going on. And if there is a rejection or a refusal, then the next step might be to help them find other employment. And this is where being in lockstep with your pastor, and really only your pastor, can and should make this decision. Right. One of the worst things we can do is only having half the story, yet right. you know, dictating to everyone, oh, well, they, they don't know what they're doing. They're terrible at their job. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know what they've done behind the scenes to help individual people and families and whatever. So the idea is in becoming friends, you're earning the right to be heard, to have to say, listen, like I'm seeing this all year. Like, what's, what's the sticking right. point? What's the problem? How can I help? What, what's going on? Because you want to come up with solutions. Because if someone, like, oh, for instance, I've had to confront certain clergy members. Ooh. I've had to, and, and it's never pretty. Yeah. And it's never easy. But it is easier if you have a relationship with them. Sure. So don't forget that side of this whole thing. And I can't, I can't stress enough what Gomer just said is that you got it. You got to know the whole story. I, I've made the mistake before of coming in guns blazing. You know, how did that turn out for you? Yeah, not not well, not well. And and it's exactly what you said is that I didn't. You know, I wasn't assuming goodwill, unfortunately, right? And that's a problem. And that's all. It's an issue that I struggle with all the time. That I just come in with one focus, you know. And so, um, so yeah. So I, you know, I can't stress it enough. Go in trying to win people, not trying to, you know, with a sledgehammer. <laughs> but if you need to take out that sledgehammer, have it in your truck, ready to rock. Yeah, right. Exactly. Dave, you got anything else for us? Uh, the last thing I'd say is remember that you got to be praying for these people. Remember that, you know, that's that's something that is the background for all of this podcast is any success you have is going to be through prayer. So be actively, actively praying for these people and actively, actively forming intentional disciples outside of the problem programs at your parish. And what happens often is a, a subculture is created and eventually the subculture takes over the, the whole culture of the parish. Yeah. There is nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And I remind that of people, you don't need a majority. All you have to have is dedication to this idea. In our case, it's evangelization. So brothers and sisters, you can do this. You can bring about, one person can bring about dramatic change 
at a parish, even if he or she is not the priest. Oh, absolutely. But the idea is, you know, a priest or a, a leader might march to the beat of his or her own drum, but you're not really a leader if you look behind you and no one's following. Yeah. You're just a guy who's alone with a drum, right? right. <laughs> right? So what we want to do is we want you to build community around the gospel right. and in the task. You are not sufficient in and of yourself. St. Paul says, you know, one sowed the seed, another watered, but God alone gives the growth, right? We can't do this as individuals. We are not professional conversion makers, right? That's the deal. We are not professional nope. conversion makers. Only the Holy Spirit has that job title, right? And he's not changing his business card for anybody. So we need to come alongside the movement. It needs to start and end with spirituality, and it needs totally, totally, totally to be done through humility on our part. But here's the deal. The church's teaching is the church's teaching. It's not going to change. Jesus said, I will build my church, right. not you go build your churches, right? So our humility also needs to be towards our Lord and saying, yeah, but here is the gospel, and it's not being proclaimed. The church's teaching is not being taught. We need to do something. There's only so much um, accommodation that we can do and accompaniment to the gospel. But when you realize, and this is the hard part, when confrontation has to occur, you're not doing it because you hate these people. No. You're doing it out of service to all the other people that are being robbed of the gospel. That's the attitude I think you should have. I, I totally, and, and, and the attitude that you need to take when you're afraid to make these changes, for God's sakes, you know, you're rescuing people. Remember that, right? That if you don't have the guts to make the, to have these conversations, to make these changes, think of what's at stake here. That's, that's absolutely the truth. What, what you just said is that you've got to be, you got to have the courage to stand up for the truth. If you work for the church, you must, we're seeing it all over that no one does. And you must have the courage to stand up for the truth for the sake of the people who are in the balance. Absolutely. So we need to remember humility uh, towards my uh, coworkers. I don't know their story. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know all ends. I don't see all things. Humility within myself. I'm going to approach this person and presume no malice. I'm going to try to be friends with them. I'm going to try to love them. This is that Pope Francis accompaniment part. Um, you're going to create opportunities of non-threatening engagement with these topics. You're going to train. You're going to introduce. You're going to work. You're going to baby step. Whatever you need to do in union with your pastor to make this happen. And if it comes to confrontation, you're going to do it from the mindset of what about the congregation that's missing out? You're you're going to have humility towards Christ and what he wants to accomplish in your parish. So those three humilities, right, I think can be an excellent way to govern this. You know, it is dangerous ground. There's politics. There's mess. Right. There's um, history that you're not aware of. There's salaries. There's retirements. There's my husband is sick and ha contracts. contracts. You know, my husband's sick and hasn't worked in years. I'm the sole income winner. And it's like, yeah, don't you think then that you should be doing this? There's threats of lawsuits. There's so much bound up with this guns blazing means you're going to probably hit more innocent bystanders That's right. than you ever thought you could do so slow down realize what's going on and accept the cross of humility okay so uh Patrick, you are killing it out there. Thanks so much for that question. And yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. When we come back, we're going to have our five practical tips. 
I know you all get excited for that, don't you? So remember, <laughs> I get so many emails. I hate these things. They're so good. <laughs> oh, I know the emails are. Yeah, they're awesome. And keep them coming. Remember, that's EKSB at AscensionPress.com. EKSB at AscensionPress.com. We're so psyched about the uh, the different ratings we're getting on on iTunes and the and the other places you listen to your podcast. So please keep those coming as well. Uh, we'll be back, and we will have our five practical takeaways. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible Study Evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about how to pray like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we are back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your hopefully favorite Catholic evangelization podcast. Uh, We love spending an hour together each week talking about evangelization and discipleship with you. And every week, as we always say, we want to give you five practical takeaways, and we are ready to hit those. Uh, The first one I'm going to give you here this week, uh, I want to link you to the tradition of evangelization in the church, okay? I don't want you to think that you're just one person in in history all alone, but that you see yourself as a link in the history of evangelization from the beginning of the church, okay? And the time when the church grew the fastest was during the the fathers, the early fathers, okay? And um, and so what? here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to a website called newadvent.org. It's where they keep the uh, Catholic Encyclopedia, and I want you to, to search on New Advent just the name of one of the church fathers. Now, I'm going to recommend a few, but but you can do whatever church father you want to, okay? Think of one of the church fathers you wanted to learn about, and just read the article about one of these, these amazing men who truly played a role in the founding of the church, you know, in the first 300 to 500 years, okay? Um, the two I would recommend is either, either St. Ignatius, okay, of Antioch, or... Uh, my man, my main man, St. Athanasius, okay? Uh, either St. Ignatius of Antioch or St. Athanasius. Okay, both of them were just lions for the gospel. And uh, just read about their life, just so you can understand what it was like for them when they were evangelizing and how it was, uh, you know, the role that they played and, and what we kind of have to live up to in this day and age when we're doing the new evangelization. Yeah. Now, you know this next one's coming. You, you can almost predict it. <laughs> I know, I know. Intercession, people. Pray, so in this case, it's CCD staff, pray for their conversion and their openness to the gospel, especially to that initial proclamation. Pray for them. Now, people listening, you might not have, might not be the CCD staff. Insert that group or that individual and lead with prayer. That'll soften your heart, and hopefully by the grace of the Holy Spirit, it'll soften theirs as well. Yeah, absolutely. Keep And keep us all in prayer, any church staff too as well. Okay, number three. Number three. I'm gonna give a little plug to Gomer here. Okay, I've been listening to his talks. Okay, and I, 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 I tell you what, you know, 
when it comes to church work, he's he's on top right there. Okay, <laughs> this is a guy that you can you can just glean so much wisdom from. Okay, and I want you to listen to his talks on the charisma, and uh, you, you know, there's a few in specifically that are just like spot on. Listening to what you know, what the charisma is and what it does, and how to how to how to let it infiltrate your life. So, Gomer, how do we get to those talks on the charisma? Yeah, so I have a bunch, and they're all for free. Um, freely, I've been given freely. I give away. Uh, you can go to, and this is going to be kind of tricky. You go to SoundCloud.com. SoundCloud is an audio file hosting service. SoundCloud.com/slash AMD Gomer. AMD Gomer. And uh, I have a wonderful one. You click albums, and there's one called the Ministry Leader Summit. Um, we proclaim to you. And I walked my entire um, parish staff and volunteer staff through the actual work of proclaiming the gospel. Um, and I start off by proclaiming the gospel to them, and we, and then we cool. analyze it. Um, and yes, and yes, I use Jeff Caven's Keurig <laughs> Ma. <laughs> I felt so guilty. So ashamed, I literally emailed him in the middle of the night being like, yes, Mr. Cavins, I used it. Um, but it was so helpful. I even had a Keurig machine up on the stage, and I brewed myself a cup as I taught them how to weave personal story in with the changeless story of the gospel. So SoundCloud. That yeah, is yeah, awesome. It's embarrassing. SoundCloud.com slash AMD Gomer, and it's under the albums section. Um, and so that rolls right into number four, my favorite thing to talk about always and forever, community. Since you have a good relationship with your pastor, meet once a week and discuss the charisma and pray together. Right? Just discuss it. So one way, simple. So simple. yeah, one way that you can do this is uh, you, maybe you could listen to the talks in the previous thing I just recommended, or listen to an episode of this. Since you said your pastor listens to this show, that could be a good touchstone or stepping off point um, for you to have a discussion. Or you know, you can go and read one of the great charisma proclamations that um dave has recommended i think last week um we recommended another one of the uh the great charismatic sermons in acts of the apostles maybe take one of those read it talk about it discuss it, it can be an excellent way to sharpen your ideas around the gospel awesome number five okay uh again i always want you to do something where you're stepping out of the boat you're interacting with someone in, in a possibly uncomfortable situation uh, this one it won't be too bad. What, what I think you should do, if, if this podcast has blessed you, we're asking you to use it to bless others. And so I'd like you to send this podcast to your CCD staff, volunteers and professional, okay, uh, and send it to them that it might be a blessing for them as well. And if you're looking for a specific episode to send, on March 27th, we had an episode called Bringing the New Evangelization to the Parish. And that would be a perfect starting point for them to get into this. Uh, we we want to, again, we want to be communicating with practitioners. So we're trying to get this out there to as many people who have hands-on in evangelization uh, in America. So send our podcast, if you will, a link to some of your CCD staff, both professional and volunteer. Yeah, and that is huge because one day, Patrick, they'll start binge listening to our shows, and then they'll get to this show. Yeah, and They're and like, wow, Pat wonder, has been a close friend with me. <laughs> he has been giving talks. He has prayed with me. Oh, yeah. this is so wonderful. Wait, we just got off the retreat he led. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. And now he wants a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So these simple, um, I think I listed about seven. Please go to media.essentialpress.com 
and click our podcast, Every Knee Shall Bow. Look at the show notes. Go through the show notes. We had one person whose podcast catcher of choice, their player, didn't display the show notes correctly. You might need to flip and dig around the settings or whatever. But um, it's always on the web, and they are great. Our producers at Ascension, I love them. Amazing. They are so wonderful. And they write up full-on show notes. So we have them there for you, for your benefit going forward. Uh, once again, I'm Mike Gormley uh, down here in Houston. I'm joined, as always, by Dave Open Book <laughs> Close Heart Van Vickle. That is so dumb. I regret even saying that out loud uh, up in Pittsburgh. And we just want to say God bless you and God bless the work of spreading the gospel. Go make a difference. We can-